On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we review the latest results in the Champions League, including what might be Lionel Messi's swan song for Barcelona. We discuss if Andrea Pirlo will be one and done at Juventus. Plus, we'll explain why you shouldn't be too excited about Liverpool's Champions League success in the round of 16. Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. Marcus, good afternoon. Hey, Mark. Good to be with you. All right. I, we have been entertained thoroughly by some very legit Champions League action. Uh, maybe not so much on Wednesday, but on Tuesday, we had kind of an instant classic between Juventus and Porto. But uh, we kind of want to just run through the Champions League up to date as half of the round of 16 has been completed and several teams have punched their ticket into the quarterfinals and the round of 16 will wrap up next week. But uh, yeah, Marcus, we're just going to kind of roll through everybody that's qualified through the quarterfinals. And we're going to start with Dortmund Sevilla drawing two, two in the second leg Dortmund advances um, on an aggregate score of five to four. Uh, and Erling Haaland just continues his unreal form that, I mean, he just kind of, it's, I don't I stopped to say form because that would imply that he's like hot right now. He's not even necessarily hot. He just is like this goal scoring machine that uh, is starting to shatter sort of like early career records, first to a hundred goals, first to this, first to that. Um, and he's just wowing the world, but. Uh, yeah, Marcus, Dortmund versus Sevilla. Anything uh, big time stick out to you here? Yeah, it was really uh, the Haaland show. He, um, mm-hmm. you know, he did it without Jaden Sancho, without Gio Reyna, uh, two of his fellow young guns, and, you know, proverbial, proverbially put the team on his back. Uh, four goals in the round of 16. He's wow. been, as you said, it's not just form anymore. This is a looking like a world-class player. Uh, he is, how old is Haaland? 20, 21? Um, and, you know, as you said, this isn't just form. He's been doing this uh, first for RB Salzburg and then Dortmund since, uh, I'd say, the last 15 months now. So I think that's that the proof is in the pudding, his body of work, that uh, he is... I don't think he's on his way to the top anymore. I think he's at, he's in the elite level, highest echelon. Um, I'm sure there are a whole bunch of records we could spin off with a little more time to research, but uh, yeah, he's uh, as far as the most in-demand strikers in the world, it's got to be him. And it got me wondering, you know, I still have as uh, Robert Lewandowski showed in last weekend's uh, Bundesliga classic, uh, he is still the man because Haaland scored yes. two early goals. Then Lewandowski came back and scored three and Bayern's <laughs> win. Um, but how long until Haaland catches Lewandowski? Um, Lewandowski, I believe, is 32. And Erling Haaland is... Now, when you say catches, 20. do you mean just catches the... Uh, 
like as far as being as good as Lewandowski or um, being, being better, being better. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. sure. Either one. It's it, it's uh, only a matter of time, I think, just due to time. Uh, Lewandowski's got 12 years on Holland, but. I would say it's too early to say right now that, uh, you know, Lewandowski's still the king, but Alon's coming for that crown. Yeah, I mean, he's also just a very uh, kind of a funny guy and is always very colorful in interviews and cracking jokes. But you're right, Marcus. He, he is skyrocketing. Uh, you know, he was a say a top 50 player in the world as recently as, you know, the start of this season. And like, I think he's just jumping into, let's put him into like the top 15, but probably before long, we're going to be saying it, you know, he is the best striker in the world, far and away, clear out, um, you know, pretty much on pace with Kylian Mbappe. And, you know, I, he just hasn't necessarily done it quite long enough. You know, I'm talking like being as productive as he's been for like a three year period, but he's been just this productive pretty much since he was started playing for the Dortmund first team. Um, and again, I think, yeah, his days at Dortmund are probably numbered simply just because he is too good for them to probably be able to hang on to him. And he's going to be, at the likes of like a Bayern Munich or a Manchester city or a PSG uh, before you know it. And there's going to be a handful of clubs that will be able to like afford to, you know, pay for his services. So yeah. very exciting. And I mean, Dortmund is kind of always chasing a big time trophy. It seems like, so I hope that, you know, he uh, he's able to kind of bring one to Dortmund before it's time for him to leave and say goodbye. But yeah, they are sputtering in the Bundesliga and now 16 points off of Bayern Munich. So they will not make up that ground. But, uh, you know, Champions League is as good as anything. So uh, hopefully they can clinch that. But let's keep it rolling. Probably the biggest upset or certainly the biggest upset uh, so far in the Champions League this year was Porto defeating Juventus. The second leg of this matchup was pretty unreal. Porto, a man down, uh, scoring to advance on away goals with a 4-4 aggregate draw. Of course, Ronaldo eliminated in the round of 16. Uh, lots of different ways to approach what happened in this. You know, you could talk about how much is Pirlo to blame. What's the deal with Ronaldo and Juventus? I mean, Ronaldo went to Juventus very clearly to not to win the Italian title, but to win Champions League titles. And uh, you hasn't they haven't been able to do that. Um, and yes, it's a big upset by Porto to take down Juventus kind of makes it a little more incredible that they did it a man down. But at the same time, this wasn't exactly the world's, you know, the upset of the century. So I think the story really here is just, Juventus failing to show up and perform to, you know, what's expected of them. Um, but yeah, Marcus, what did you take away from Porto topping Juventus? Uh, just heroic performances all around uh, the Portuguese press. Well, first, uh, 
the Portuguese press, this was probably the biggest win in Europe for a Portuguese club in uh, some time. Um, and the press celebrated like it, uh, particularly Pepe, uh, who was the, you remember him from Real Madrid? Uh, yeah. way, way back when. Well, he's at Porto now, 38 years old, and was just a titan in defense. Uh, Portuguese newspaper Abola wrote, there must be a mistake with his age. Surely he's 18, not 38. Finishing Saturday's game in pain, he was doubtful to start for Porto. However, he put in 120 minutes of excellence with zero mistakes. Uh, so well done, Pepe. Uh, Sergio Oliveira, who scored two goals for Porto, uh, this is from Cosman Contra, the UEFA technical observer. He said he was very good defensively and also instigated all Porto's attacking threat, uh, instigated them and finished them. And uh, it was, yeah, I think it was really a night for Porto. But of course, the, uh, the storyline is dominated not so much by Porto's win, by, but by Juventus's defeat. Uh, I wasn't surprised by it given their uh, 2-1 loss in the first leg. Um, and I knew away goals was going to be an issue with them, particularly if they conceded one in the first half. Um, but Cristiano Ronaldo was hammered uh, in the press in a way that I haven't seen ever. Um, Corriere dello Sport, the Italian newspaper, slammed him for betrayal. Uh, he was in the wall on uh, the free kick that Porto scored in extra time to take the uh, the, the decisive goal. And he kind of ducked his head, moved it out the way, didn't do his job <laughs> on the wall. And, uh, you know, my reaction at the time was, well, what is Ronaldo doing in the wall? Um, I, know <laughs> Good point. I know he's six foot uh, three or four, but, uh, you know, shouldn't you leave a defensive player? or leave Ronaldo, your attacking player, further to the front in case you can counterattack on that. Uh, it just, it, it seemed it seemed odd that he would be in that position and given that responsibility, although uh, I'm sure he didn't <laughs> duck it ahead of time. Uh, see what I did there? I did see what you did there. Thank you. I, I want to make sure that you, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Ronaldo is now 36 years old. This could be his last season at Juventus. His contract is up at the end of uh, next season. Uh, even last season, there were whispers that his agent was checking around Europe to see if anybody wanted him, if anyone could afford him. Uh, I have a feeling it'll be one more, one last hurrah for Ronaldo. But the question is, who's going to be the coach at Juventus. Uh, this is looking like a lost season for how many uh, Serie A titles did they win in a row? Uh, uh, no, what was it up to like? Eight, did they get to eight, 10? Nine or 10. Uh, it was nine or 10. Currently, they are 10 points behind Inter Milan in the Serie A race, uh, albeit with a game in hand. Uh, they're in third, and this is really, if things don't, I don't know, I don't know how an early Champions League exit can boost a team and a coach, um, so I'm just going to assume that it's not going to, and I <laughs> think Pirlo is going to be one and done. Uh, you think so? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, because this is just not good enough for Juventus, a uh, club of their 
stature, their history, uh, both recent and historical. And um, yeah, this is just, it's a bad season. And I feel like they're going to try and uh, reshape their squad dramatically in the uh, summer transfer window. And if they don't, Port, uh, Juventus could be heading to the uh, abyss, which is outside of that group of teams competing to win the Champions League every year. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, Marcus. I that's a that's a bold prediction. I think to say Pirlo will be out after just one season. Although, of course, you know things move a lot faster in uh, especially in Italian soccer. But um, so I mean, we said it bold. when. <laughs> we said it when Pirlo started that it was a uh, pretty surprising that he was able to get this job. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You're right that they, they really probably are not going to catch Inter Milan. Um, they are in the Coppa Italia final uh, that's happening in May, but they, you know, Juventus doesn't really care about the Coppa Italia final. So that's not going to really do you many favors, even if you win that. So, um, well, that I could th- be the difference between him staying and leaving. Sure. Uh, they, if they don't win the Copa Italia, no Serie A, no Champions League, I don't see how right. it, Pirlo, it doesn't help. Pirlo hurt. stays on. Right. It doesn't hurt to win the Copa Italia. Um, well, yeah, we'll have to keep our eye uh, on Pirlo. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, last thing I will say is that. Federico Chiesa, uh, he scored two goals for Juventus um, in their in the second leg. And uh, keep an eye out for him because he's been playing a lot for the Italian national team. Of course, they got the Euros coming up this summer, as well as you know, what seems like dozens of World Cup qualifiers. And he's been a fixture uh, for the Italian national team and uh, kind of a, a new generation and a pretty well-rounded national team for Italy who – is definitely capable of a lot of big things in these tournaments to come, but let's move on to a surprising result. I would say for Liverpool who made easy work of Leipzig for nothing on aggregate in the round of 16. Of course, Liverpool is making headlines around the world for their performance in the premier league of late dropping matches to bottom of the table sides and just really not competing and, uh, making the top four a real challenge for them in the final stretch of the season. But yet here in the Champions League against Leipzig, who is second place in the Bundesliga, only two points behind Bayern Munich to win the Bundesliga, uh, just, you know, wipe them off the, off the pitch. And, I, I mean, it, it was just very surprising because it's not as if the Premier League is – miles ahead of the Bundesliga and certainly when you look at how Liverpool has performed lately versus Leipzig doing pretty well in Bundesliga also doing very well in Champions League last season and pulling off some big upsets uh, I mean just the whole result surprised me I certainly thought Leipzig had the upper hand when the draw came out and I thought you know it, on when you look at it you see Liverpool you might think it's not a good draw for Leipzig but, you know, I thought it just was a good draw given, you know, Liverpool's kind of form. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is what a tournament 
will do. And uh, you get these surprising results. But yeah, Marcus, I mean, were you surprised by this? Do you want to know how I know that you didn't see this game? Why? <laughs> because yes, the aggregate score was 4-0. Yes, Liverpool won 2-0 in the second leg. But uh, the game was tight. It was nervy. I caught about 30 minutes of the second half. And just before Salah and Mane scored, they scored two minutes, uh, sorry, four minutes apart. Salah in the 70th, Mane in the 70, 74th. Uh, two quick goals in the second half, just as they did in the first leg, these same two players. Uh, Leipzig was in the ascendancy in the game. And had they scored and made it two to one, uh, which would have made it a uh, two to one score on aggregate. It would have caused me to put down everything I was doing and <laughs> just sit down and watch the game intently. Uh, yeah. Leipzig was, I wouldn't say they were all over Liverpool at that moment, but they were uh, certainly enjoying a good period in the game. And then boom, two quick goals off of uh, really mistakes, just as was the case in the first half. Um gave Liverpool the win, uh, well-deserved win. Interesting in this game, Fabinho was back in the midfield. He won the Man of the Match Award, uh, nominated for the Player of the Week Award. He said he missed playing in the midfield a bit uh, because he has been a center back um, pretty much since October uh, when Virgil van Dijk went down. And then when Joe Gomez went down, they've been... Uh, you know, he was just, he was drafted in as a center back, but uh, he's a midfielder. He's one of the best holding players in the world. And Liverpool has sorely missed him there because without him in the midfield, their midfield is not as good as it could be. And that makes every other department uh, that much, uh, they have to be that much better in order to compensate. So um you asked me a question. Was it my level of surprise uh, by the result? Not, uh, not really. Um, I knew something had to go right. Le Leipzig needed a lucky break uh, before Liverpool would score in order to win this game and really uh, turn up the heat on them. Um, and given how many unlucky breaks Liverpool has received in the last uh, <laughs> last few months. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I figured they were due to not catch one. So, all right, well, no, let me ask no you surprise. this. Um, does Liverpool have a better chance of qualifying for next year's Champions League by winning this year's Champions League or doing so through the Premier League in the finishing top four? Uh, winning the Champions League. I think uh, so, too. Top four is looking increasingly remote. Um, I would need to really look at uh, what kind of games Liverpool has coming up, but um, my instinct says they are more likely to just turn it on for the Champions League. And, you know, they might even end up resting and rotating players in order to win the Champions League because that could rescue what is looking like a lost season for Liverpool. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's move on to the final uh, round of 16 matchup that's been completed. That was Barcelona versus PSG. Definitely the most hyped matchup, I think, entering the round of 16. PSG 
advances 5-2 on aggregate. Kylian Mbappe um, with a hat trick in the first leg. Uh, as we were talking about Erling Haaland earlier, Mbappe is probably the areas the most exciting, you know, young player. Um, but a lot of attention was on Lionel Messi and how his future is unclear with Barcelona. And was this the last time we'll see Messi play for Barcelona in the Champions League, where he created so many iconic moments for his career? Um, and that that was certainly on my mind as I watched Barcelona you know, clearly not in the process of not going to come back against PSG. But uh, yeah, Marcus, what would you get out of this one? Yeah, it certainly had a feeling of an end of an era. Uh, that was, yeah, there, there was a bit of sadness, but I don't know if you saw the goal Messi scored. Yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. Um, and you know, just to remind you that he is, it was almost like a, like a reminder that he's not uh, dead yet as a player right. or as a top player. Uh, it was a fantastic goal, one of his great ones. But uh, yeah, the press is talking about this could be uh, either the, this is certainly a turning point, either the end of the road for Messi and his generation, or is it the start of a bright future? Uh, there were a lot of young players in that Barcelona team, Pedri, Frankie de Jong. Uh, there was a center back who I'd never heard of because uh, <laughs> Gerard Piquet was injured. So mm. Barcelona has some young players coming through, and I think we'll start to know whether it's the end or the start of a new era. Uh, in the coming two and a half months, how they perform domestically, um, they are... Just look up the La Liga. See, they're in they're second, in second place yeah. in La Liga with uh, with what twelve games to play. They're only six six points back. So yeah, it's possible. this is yeah, this is a race. And if Barcelona wins La Liga, given everything going on at the club, I, that would be an incredible achievement. So uh, they still have a lot to play for, but it felt like the end of the road for Messi at Barcelona in the Champions League. But uh, Joan Laporta was elected Barcelona president. He said he has plans. He said he can keep Messi. So, uh, yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens next, what the future has in store for Barcelona. Yeah, I, uh, you know, Atletico Madrid has really seemed to be this, like, steady train in, the, in La Liga this year. And I'd be surprised if Barcelona was able to catch them. So I'm – I keep kind of looking at this Copa del Rey final on it's on April 17th and how that, you know, I think could be the last time Messi lifts a trophy for Barcelona. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's time to kind of look at the games he's got left and, you know, find your opportunities and find your chances to sit down and watch, uh, Messi at Barcelona. They play Real Madrid on April 11th, so the last El Clasico, if uh, Lionel Messi were to leave. So just, you know, these things don't last forever. As we know, these days, you got to appreciate what you have when you have it. So appreciate Lionel Messi on Barcelona for these next two and a half months while you can. Um, but, you know, speaking of that, 
and speaking of a sort of change the guard, change of the guard narrative, we got Messi and Ronaldo out of the quarterfin- quarterfinals of the Champions League uh, for the first time since 2005. Um, Marcus, you wanted to ask the question, will either of them win another Champions League title in their careers? Do you have an answer? Oh, I'm asking you. <laughs> well, you asked me my question. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't know you were supposed to ask the question, but. Well, I could. You, you kind of put me on blast there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on where they go, but it's not looking good. Yeah, I would. That would be my answer too. It doesn't look the best, um, you know. And I also don't, you know. Is this crazy to think that they could both end up on the same club? Do you yeah. think they would do that? An MLS. And, oh, come on, not an MLS. Um, I mean, I I could see like, you know, PSG pulling that off, but uh, I, I I I know it is unlikely. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robert Lewandowski won FIFA Men's Best Player last year, and we've talked about Mbappe and Erling Haaland on the rise. Uh, it really does seem like, yeah, you know, they'll they'll continue to have moments, um, similar to the way you know Zlatan at his old age, you know, pulls out a crazy goal, you know, once a month or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't think they're going to be necessarily just these fixtures at the top of the game that they were, that they have been for almost two decades. Um, Yeah. No, it is uh, the march of time, but you never know. All right. Well, Marcus, let's uh, move on to the games of the weekend. And uh, we've talked a lot about Bayern Munich so far today, or we've mentioned them many times. Um, And I will be watching Werder Bremen versus Bayern Munich on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN plus Bayern, as we've said, two points on top in the Bundesliga over Leipzig. Um, while Bremen is tied in 11, 11th on 30 points. But uh, Marcus, you know why I'm watching this. Uh, Josh Sargent, he's got three goals in his last three games, finally starting to produce for Bremen. And I just want to see how he's going to do when he goes up against Bayern. Frankly, I expect the goal streak to stop, but I want to see, how many chances he can get, how much trouble he can cause, um, and if he can make any sort of noise versus Bayern. Uh, And, you know, Bayern in the Bundesliga has dropped some points lately. I mean, they had the monster comeback versus Dortmund, but prior to that, they've had some draws and even some losses that have been a little bit unexpected. So who knows? Maybe Bremen will get them on an off day. How about you? Are you telling me that you're going to watch the Bayern Werder Bremen game? Just to see Josh Sargent. What if I am? <laughs> well, it's not just to see Josh Sargent. I mean, Bayern Munich will be playing the game, so there's plenty to be excited for on that side of the ball, too. I'm just saying it's one part of that game that I'm highlighting in my viewing preparation. All right. I'll, uh, we'll see if you're up at 930 in the morning watching Josh Sargent against. Are you, are you challenging me to tweet at you, Mark? I, 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 I am. <laughs> I, I have questions over whether you're actually going to watch this game. Uh, you right. don't. You don't love Josh Sargent like that. Oh, I, uh, all right. Challenge accepted. I will not be watching any games on Saturday. Uh, it's a free country, and that is just a choice. 
I can make. Uh, but on Sunday, it is, it is. 12.30 Eastern Time on NBCSN, Arsenal versus Tottenham, the North Let's London go. Derby. Uh, anybody that has ever listened to this podcast is probably aware that I support Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> my one goal for this season, I knew it was going to be tough. Uh, my one goal for this season was a little thing called St. Totteringham's Day. That is the day that uh, Arsenal mathematically clinches a uh, their finish ahead of Tottenham. There hasn't been one for, uh, I can't remember the last one. Uh, coming into this game, Arsenal's in 10th with 38 points. Tottenham is in 7th with 45 points. If Arsenal loses this game at home, uh, there will be no St. Totteringham's Day again this year. Uh, I will not have the St. Totteringham's Day party I've been planning for oh. a year in and year out, and uh, I'll just be despondent. So if it happens, I won't need you to tweet me at tweet at me for that either. Okay, good noted. I, I will resist any Arsenal tweets. Um, but yeah, Marcus, I mean, that's always an exciting match. And Arsenal still alive in the Europa League. And they have a knack for staying relevant through, you know, winning the FA Cup or winning the Europa League. They really maybe do. They, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to say they've got Olympiacos in the round of 16 in the Europa League. I'm going to say watch out for Arsenal in the Europa League because they're sitting in 10th in Premier League. You know, it's just it would be very Arsenal to kind of stay on the international stage by going out and and maybe even just making the Europa League final. Um, but yeah, no, that that's uh, I'm excited for that one too, Marcus. Um, any any final words before we wrap up here? No. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me, talking some soccer with me today. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we got back into just some pure soccer talk. Uh, and to all the listeners out there, thank you for joining us. You can continue to join us by following along at nesson.com slash podcast or following us on iTunes and Spotify by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast, where you can download, subscribe, like, and comment, and let us know how we're doing. So thanks, everyone, and enjoy your soccer. I read out why I tell you so.